Welcome to the Jennings Wire online magazine podcast series, where we feature interviews with top authors and experts. My name is Stacey Amaral Kaufman, and I'm radio director for the national PR firm Annie Jennings PR, the creator of the Jennings Wire online magazine that offers powerful top market radio talk show campaigns with free unlimited media training and guaranteed deliverables, as well as online television and print media. Today's guest is Andrew Rozak. He is executive director of the Institute for Childhood Preparedness and author of the new book, Active Shooter Preparedness for Early Childhood Professionals. Andrew draws upon decades of real-world emergency experience to provide simple, effective techniques aimed at increasing our preparedness, safety, and security. So welcome, Andrew. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you. Why don't you talk about why you felt the need, the reason for your book, Active Shooter Preparedness for Early Childhood Professionals? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I I think sadly, uh, we've had a lot of active shooter incidents in the United States. Uh, It's unfortunately a trend that continues and seems like every year we get more and more of these. And uh, my my ballywick is going out and working with early childhood professionals. So I've been doing that full time for the last six years. I help them prepare for, respond to, and recover from disasters and emergencies. And one of the questions that kept coming up is, hey, what are we going to do about these active shooter and violent incidents? So I started looking around and, you know, trying to figure out what kind of guidance was out there. And I could find a lot of guidance for, you know, universities and schools and houses of worship and standard businesses. But I couldn't find anything that specifically addressed the unique needs of the early childhood community. And and that's really the folks serving those kids age, you know, zero on up to 11. So I put the, I went to work trying to get the latest and greatest resources that we could to help address this very specific topic. Because as you can imagine, dealing with a two-year-old is much different than dealing with a 20-year-old. So that was kind of the genesis of the book. And I've been very fortunate to go out and teach over 19,000 early childhood professionals throughout the United States on our active shooter curriculum. Uh, So basically, the book is a compilation of everything that we've learned, all the evidence, and and kind of all the research that goes along with that on how best to prepare those early childhood settings, those preschool settings, for these horrific events. Well, it sounds like a very important resource for early childhood professionals, Andrew. What would you say is the single biggest thing that programs can do to prepare? Well, I think the biggest thing is thinking about these things in advance. You know, we always say that practice makes perfect. Uh, I like to think of it as practice makes prepared, right? And if your plan, if you're thinking about these situations starts as the incident is occurring, you're already obviously way behind the eight ball. So there's a whole thing, a whole bunch of things that we can do in advance prior to one of these incidents ever happening that can help make us better prepared. And those are simple things. Those are low cost things. We know that early childhood doesn't have a lot of money, uh, so they don't get the same kind of, you know, equipment and resources like metal detectors and school resource officers and those kind of things that some of our colleagues get. But it's very simple things that you can do. The first thing is make sure that you're locking your door, access control. Uh, too often I go to a program and I'll have a keypad and I punch in one, two, three, four, and the door opens and I'm into your space. Uh, it doesn't cost you any money to change the code and make it a little bit more secure in your facility. So the book is filled with, you know, real life, practical, low cost solutions uh, to help make us a little bit more prepared and to be prepared in advance so that hopefully this situation never does occur at all. So now there's got to be one thing through all of your decades of experience 
that is just, it really bothers you, that keeps you up at night? What would that be? Well, that's a really good question. I think the, the biggest thing that I see, the biggest failure, is that folks will invest in equipment and you know gimmicks and, and tools and things like that rather than investing in their personnel. And at the end of the day, if your people aren't trained, if your people haven't thought about this, if your people haven't practiced and exercised it, everything else really is is going to fall apart. It's going to be meaning, meaningless, right? So a prime example is that everybody throws a lot of money and says, hey, you know what? We've got a walkie-talkie. We've got a radio. And that's going to be our communication strategy. But I guarantee you, half of the people don't even know how to use the walkie-talkie. They don't know how to turn it on. They don't know how to properly key it up so they can you know, make a message and send a message over the radio. Uh, half the time, the walkie-talkies we find are dead or they're not on the right channel. So, you know, really, I think the biggest thing that I found over the decades I've been doing this is, is that if it's going to be something that you're going to rely upon in an emergency, then you need to find ways to integrate that in your day-to-day -day operations. If you're ever in an emergency and you want to have a second emergency, try standing up and try doing something that you've never done before, and that's going to be your second emergency. So for those programs that are relying on walkie-talkies to be one of their primary means of communication in an emergency or disaster, I would encourage you to implement those and integrate those into your everyday activities. Uh, I was just at a school a few weeks ago, and it was a, a Christian uh, child care program at a, at a church. And they were using the walkie-talkies every single day to say the morning announcements and say the morning prayer. And it would rotate from classroom to classroom. So this would allow each teacher to go through and have an opportunity to use the radio, get familiar with it, and also an opportunity for every other classroom in that school every morning, hey, did I hear the announcement? If I didn't hear the announcement, is my radio dead? Is it not on the right channel? Is the volume not you know, set the proper level? Uh, so these kind of things where we integrate our, uh, our resources and our tools into our everyday response is going to let us fall back on those in a time of crisis. So it's not like I have to suddenly remember how to operate this equipment because I'm that familiar with it because I've been using it every day. Right, almost ingrained into muscle memory. You're not even having to think twice about doing anything that could, you know, save seconds to, to save lives in an emergency situation. So, now, what would you say, Andrew, to those who think that this training is not needed at this level? Well, you know, it's funny. If you were to ask parents about 10 years ago and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this at your child care program, your after-school program, uh, they would say, oh, my gosh, you're, you're talking about doing what? That's No, that's so unnecessary. Uh, but the tide has really turned, and, and now parents are actually going to child care providers and saying, why aren't you doing this training? What are you doing to keep my kids safe? Uh, we know that you know a lot of these situations involve domestic disputes, right? So uh, if you think about who are really on the front lines of domestic disputes and pick up and drop off and custody battles and divorces, uh, it really is our early childhood workforce. So I, I think it's uh, you know just another tool in the toolbox. Uh, we we pray that we never have one of these situations at an early childhood center, uh, but certainly it's on the minds of everybody. And what we're also finding is that even if your the incident doesn't happen directly at your program or at your facility, you know there can be an incident that happens in the neighborhood. And I think about the the shooting that happened in Parkland at the school there, you know, where the uh, shooter put down his gun. And he just exited right out the front door with all the other kids. And basically, he was loose in the neighborhood for about an hour, hour and a half. And he went to a, a Walmart. He went to a McDonald's. Uh, he went to a bunch of different restaurants and, and businesses around town. 
uh, he could have very well popped into a you know a childcare program seeking refuge, seeking to hide from the police. So even if it doesn't immediately happen at your facility, it could happen in your neighborhood or in your area. And again, you need to be prepared for those kind of things and know what you're going to do uh, in this event. So I think that criticism, um, again, I think it's really going away. And I will say that we're, you know, we've got a, a, a great team of experts from law enforcement to child psychology experts to, to you know, mental health professionals. Uh, we don't simulate any gunfire. We don't, you know, make it a high stress environment. Uh, this is really all about, you know, teaching adults, getting all the adults on the same page, getting our plan and our expectations set clear before we ever think about incorporating this and bringing the children into it. Uh, because I do believe that childhood is, you know, one of those magical times and we can't interrupt that, right? So that we have to make sure that we're very, very responsible on how we're going to message this to kids so that we're not scaring kids needlessly and we're not bursting that wonderful bubble of childhood and, and all that entails. Well, you know, Andrew out there, everyone listening, can help your childhood programs do all of these things. You can learn much more about Andrew Rozak and his new book, Active Shooter Preparedness for Early Childhood Professionals, at childhoodpreparedness.org. Again, that's childhoodpreparedness.org. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to this podcast brought to you by Annie Jennings PR. Please visit JenningsWire.com to enjoy a rich community of talented, insightful, and relevant bloggers and podcasters. Till next time.